Hello, hello. You're listening to Disinfluencer, the podcast. I'm your host and founder, Simone. I created this podcast so we can have conversations with people about disability and business. I know, not two words you usually hear together, right? We're not here to inspire you. We're here to empower you and showcase what's possible so we can create a more inclusive world. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello. Oh, Hi. yes. Oh, oh, perfect. Better? That's good. Yeah. I listened to the playback and I sounded like me. So <laughs> if so this weird. is good, that is weird. Very weird. Yes, we're good. We're totally good. Awesome. Yay. Well, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm so glad to have you here. We are on and recording. So, um, Madeline, like you don't understand how serendipitous this is because um, my coach, Jen Harwood's like, you've got to speak to Madeline. You've got to speak to Madeline. That's you. (laughs) Do you know Jen at all? I do. I know Jen really well. Yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. And then um, I put something up on LinkedIn today because um, I've been, I deleted my LinkedIn years ago and I'm jumping back in and doing all that and trying to figure out that LinkedIn is very different to the LinkedIn I remember from a few years ago. And um, Kate, this um, LinkedIn strategist I've been following is like, you've got to do a video so I'm like, okay, I'll do a video. And then we connected through that and now you're on my podcast. Like how crazy is go. that? Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So um, I've just ruined the whole intro because I like to tell people how we're connected. That's how we've connected and <laughs> um, give a bit of an intro. So the reason I wanted to be connected with you is because you are the founder of The A-List. Yeah. Well, I'm actually not the founder. So someone else did find it, but I've been running it um, for the past, what am I up to now? It's almost a year. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah. And it started from these two amazing women who met each other in university in Cape Town of all places and um, have been friends ever since and then moved to Australia and and have always been connected. And then one of them, their mother got um, a degenerative eye condition where they're going blind and for the first time started having to really deal with you know what life is like for people with disability and soon discovered that there were many things that didn't work and so they started an organization called my care space and their whole point is you know for people that are trying to find appointments trying to get connected with clinicians or therapists or appointments and struggle as, as we know there's often that's a big deal and there's often big wait lists um, they put them together and and I used them and went from being on a year-long wait list to getting what I needed within four weeks wow and yeah so they're this incredible organization but they spent all this time talking to people who needed things and then they would get hundreds of calls from um, autistic people or their friends or family or carers support workers saying you know, the person in my life or myself as an autistic person is just not able to find anything to do socially and I don't have a social life and what can I do? And that's when they went, okay, this is crazy that people can't find that and they started the A-list, which is purely designed to promote and and give people connection and access to any autism-friendly or actually autism-specific and autistic um, social event across Australia. 
Oh, that is so amazing. And I've seen you've just recently, just this last weekend, was it you had um, some Lego activities? Yeah. So we're really lucky. We're the only autistic organisation in Australia that has a partnership connection with Lego. And we've been creating all sorts of opportunities to be together. And um, on the weekend, we had, oh, it was so good, Simone. You would have loved it. There was just a whole community of people and we set up all these or Lego did set up all these stations of activities and you know it was things like you had to build a tower out of pipe cleaners and the tallest one that could hold the weight of a minifigure one and um and then these guys these teenage boys were building these incredible intricate kind of engineering style train kits that were going in all these different directions and were like perpetual motion and all sorts of cool things yeah, that sounds so cool. I, I see all the stuff happening across socials and I'm, I really love it. Um, how do people join? I'm going to put all the links in the show notes anyway, but how do people join the A-list? What do they need to do? Yeah, well, there's like two arms for it, Simone So and everybody. The first part is the website that, that just, you know, shouts from the rooftops any organisation that's doing autistic social activities and they go to alisthub.com.au. And you can see everything there and subscribe there. That's easy. Um, And then the other part of it was I went to an event where there were 200 autistic teens and I just walked around talking to them all day. And one of the questions I asked was, what do you want? And they said, a place to hang out. That's all they said over and over again. Yeah. And so I started or we started um, the social hub so we also do face-to-face social hubs and um, our tagline is be social your way and we mean it like if you want to sit in a corner and not talk to anyone that's just as cool as engaging with whatever we're doing and um, we also run those and they can equally find those on our website alishub.com.au but they're specifically for neurodivergent community to come hang out. Amazing so the hubs are they like standalone physical places? Yeah. So at the moment we are running them. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate for Greater Western Sydney. 90% yeah. of the population lives in Greater Western Sydney, of the whole of Sydney. In fact, 10% of Australia's population live in Greater yeah. Western Sydney. So um, at the moment that's where we've started. So we have one in Blacktown in a place called Bungarabi. And then we also have one in Lanier, which is right next to Liverpool. And then we have one in Blackfoot, which is the Lower Blue Mountains right near Penrith. Yeah, cool. All right, amazing. I'll put all the links to that into the show notes. So, Madeline, if I was to ask your family or friends what you did for work, what would they say? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm trying to think <laughs> what they'd say. One of them's in the room. Um I'm trying to think what they'd say. They would probably say I talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're friends with Jen. Yeah, they would say I talk a lot because I do. I spend, I call myself the Tinder of the autistic community because I'm just constantly putting people (laughs) together. Autistic community. Oh, hilarious. And um, yeah, so I'm talking to um, either providers in the autistic space or. Um, neurodivergent space or I'm talking to autistic community myself I'm an autistic ADHD adult myself so um, I'm engaging with that community they would also say probably I run social hubs and I run events yeah and um, and then you know they know I've got a radio show too so I do that too (laughs) they say that too 
we'll have to um, chuck some details about of your radio show in the show notes too. But that's interesting because I think you say you talk a lot, but I, from talking to you just now, I think you there's a very diff, there's a, a huge skill um, probably from my experience and in the counselling space is you're not talking, you're asking questions. Yeah. You're asking really great questions over and over and over again and you can see the patterns and then you can act on that information, which is a skill in itself to ask questions and to actively listen. So, um, Yeah, that's, that's probably a great way of saying it actually because it's interesting. Someone just interviewed me about the social hubs and I was just telling them stories from things that happen at the social hub and they said, oh man, there's something magical about the way that you can listen to someone mm-hmm. and then work out exactly what is going to light them up and, and give them life and, and allow them to fully express themselves. And yeah, that probably is it. It's a lot of a lot of listening to not just what people want, but the wants that they don't even know how to articulate or maybe yep. can't even say themselves that are like beyond what they see as possible. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a bit of um, art and science that one and you definitely have it. So yeah. thank you. That's amazing because I guess, you know, from what you said with your experience, I ask people what their elevator pitch is and it sounds like you're doing a lot of work, like you're out in the community speaking to the people and you're a great advocate but how do you how do you pitch yourself or the a-list club to people when you're speaking to them from the organization to the people themselves yeah it's probably a different pitch like you say depending on who I'm talking to but one of the things that really struck me from not only my own lived experience but my children and I've seen over and over again the the um heartbreaking impact of isolation and lack of social connection and then I read a statistic that the NDIS published that said um, you know right now they think one in five Australians are neurodivergent and that's with a real problem with people being able to access assessment and diagnosis at the same time but one in five and of those people 34% of them will never have a friend outside their own family Mm. and even saying that again now it just hits me. I'm very impacted by that. Like, yeah, so am I. I'm like getting teary because I think of my son, right? Like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. 34% will never have a friend outside their own family. And that's just not cool with me. Yeah. That's not cool. (laughs) And, and, and this is coming from someone, you know, I'm, I'm verging on antisocial, like part of the way my, even though I'm really engaged with community and people personally, you know, I, I don't like socializing. My version of socializing is this, what we're doing now. And that's it. Um, but it's not cool with me that anybody could want to do something, like want to go out or want to play in a park or sit in a cafe and not have anyone to go with. Like that's not cool. That's a really interesting point. You've just made me think of this as as you've said it and I've never really realised this. So I would say speaking for Josh, who my son, he's 15, so he's very antisocial too. He'd be quite happy to sit in his room and play his iPad, you know, mm. forever. But yep. he does like 
being with some people and he likes doing the things that he likes. So, for example, he loves watching we live like near an airport under a flight path mm. and um, we he loves watching the planes and we track the planes and do all that kind of stuff. But we found um, another kid that likes it too and they went and did it together. Yep. And it was like magic. I was like bawling yep. with yep. excitement because it's like that's social to him. So I think it we is. need to kind of, you know, what you and I might think is social as, well, for me, I'm, you know, not neurodivergent, I'm not disabled, but my version of like I would love to go to a dinner party. Like Josh would, you know, what is social yeah, that's to my him? Idea of hell. <laughs> And, and and that's the point is that's yeah. why we're saying be social your way. Like social yeah. really looks all sorts of ways. And I think that that is the magic of um, the social hubs themselves because we really, it's interesting because I was a dancer in a contemporary dance company. So my background's in dance. So I'm really used to like that leading and following that you do yeah. in dancing and so it's really like that in the social hubs. Like we run with them, we get up underneath them, we follow them, we, you know, allow them to be, and then we discover what what they love, and then we run with it. And yep. and and just like you've done for your son, there's this magic where they find this place where they can coexist, even if they're not interacting. And yep. You know, even last week we had this new person start, this young girl, 14, her mum brought her and she was clutching onto her mum, you know, they were hanging onto her mum and her mum said, listen, I really don't think she's going to do this. I don't know. I don't even know why I brought her because she has never hung out with someone her own age ever outside her own family and I just don't think she'll do it. And yeah. and I said, that's okay. Like there's nothing she has to do or you have to do right now. There's nothing. And then... And then I just said to the young girl, I said, um, there's actually a beautiful tree in a park outside if you want to come see it with me. And she walked with me. And then yeah. I just said, you know, do you go to school? Yes. You know, is there anything you love? I love to draw. Uh-huh. Uh. And I said, well, there's someone else here who loves to draw. And I just introduced them. They sat down on this stone wall and they did not stop Simone. Like they just talked and talked and talked for an hour. And the mum was on the inside the building looking through the window, just howling because she's yeah. never seen that happen with her own kid. And and that's why we're doing this. Yeah, that's it. I'm getting like really emotional. I wasn't expecting this to be so emotional, but it is because I get it. I get it. And I think, again, you've just highlighted asking questions, you know, what do you like doing, you know, like mm. what does social mean? for these kids it's not you know I think that's part of that loneliness as a parent you have these ideas of you know like sport and birthday parties and all these kind of after school stuff but you don't do any of that stuff so you don't get those opportunities and I remember I was speaking to someone else who has um, an autistic child and it really got me thinking this was only a couple of months ago about um, you know their challenge was they don't want their world to be small, but then what is there to do? Like what can you do? So this is really incredible that we're having this conversation because there are people out there and organise out organisations out there that can assist with that. And I think as a parent as well, it gets quite overwhelming. You know, you're doing 
Mm. All the things, you know, all the things that you never thought you'd have to do as a parent, they just become normal. But then it's so hard to navigate that kind of social piece and do it without any, like in a safe space, without any judgment or anything because, you know, it's just This is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. So we just wrote, I just wrote an article recently um, about apologising and one of the things that I noticed. Yeah, it was a parent, there was a particular parent in one of the hubs who just kept saying, I'm so sorry, don't do that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, you know, and, um, and I get it. I get it. Like I've been there where I've felt the need to apologize. And there was a point where I just went, I'm just unwilling to do that anymore. I'm just not going to do that. And there is no reason that, that there's nothing here that needs to be apologized for. And I'm not going to continue to cement that there's something wrong here when there's not. And, you know, that is part of the magic of our social hubs is it really is a no apology zone. Now, you know, if someone hurts someone, of course, we've got to learn how to be with one another and respect one another. But if you're apologising for autistic joy, for stimming, for squealing, for wanting to run on the spot, for whatever the heck, you know, that is there as your natural expression or whatever you're dealing with physically, if you're apologizing for that, that's not cool with me. And that's not a world I want to live in. Yeah, that reminds me of with our um, cinema ad we've done for Disinfluencer, like Josh, he just eats meat pies. (laughs) He has for years, like for dinner. So he has a meat pie. And I used to be, um, I wasn't embarrassed, but like apologizing for it. But now I don't give a shit. I'm like, that's what he eats. Like I, you know, I could have fed half of Australia with the amount of food I've cooked and thrown out because he won't eat it. I've yeah. done all the nutritional things to check his diet. Like it's all good. And, and it's funny because his medical team, Josh has had a kidney transplant as well. So his medical team have said to me all along, the kidney kids and autistic kids um, with their sensory eating, but kidney kids especially, um, he's got some kind of, um, this is me, I'm not I'm not a medical person, but some kind of um, food trauma because as someone with a kidney disease, especially a child or a young child, um, everything tastes metallic and you're always nauseous. Yeah. So he's got this kind of psychological food trauma and meat pies are safe to him and the doctors have said to me for years it's better that he eats a meat pie because if he doesn't eat that and he won't eat we'll tube feed him and he was tube fed and nasal gastric fed for a long time but it's Mm. something um I felt quite empowered doing our cinema ad because he's with his beloved meat pies and Mm. we're celebrating that about him and it's like I don't I don't feel I need to be, um, not that I was ever ashamed, but it, it like, it, well, it's not weird. It's our normal and we embrace it. So I totally yeah. get that too. And I think, um, and, and again, with the work we're all doing in this community is back to that isolation. I think people don't stimming or autistic joy or jumping, hand flapping, whatever, um, it's normal, but because everyone's so isolated, they've never been exposed to it. So when they see it, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's that? But if, like, I've noticed now, especially now between my kids, there's such a, there's a 10-year gap. Um, 
the kids now um, are quite accepting of Josh. He goes to a special school, but when we're out in the community, people say hello to him and they're kind to him. And I know because at school um, he's integrated into mainstream, so they would see him for who he is and they can accept him. And I, I feel that's, you know, where we need to start with schools is more integration. So these kids growing up, with all these different kind of kids um, aren't shocked by someone stimming or hand flapping and then, you know, the yeah. world, that's the change we need to see in the world. So, mm. yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, I'm like really emotional. This is such a great conversation. Um, I will, I could talk to you forever, but I will, I will stick to my time frame and my questions. So, um if we could jump into some rapid fire questions, sure. if there's three things, um, you know, that will actually, can I ask you a bit about your diagnosis? Can we go there or yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so your diagnosis, so what, when were you diagnosed and what led you to that? I was diagnosed, I don't know exactly what the time frame is, but it's like only three or four months, something like that. Okay, yep. And, um, and so... You know, I I was participating in all sorts of things. I've got a, a big career, lots of stuff that I've done. And then um, during the pandemic, I got op- invited to go and work at a centre for autism facilitating parent groups because I'd done a lot of facilitation. And so I started for the first time talking to parents of um, autistic children. Yeah. And I, when I was there, I started um, spending time with autistic kids as well. And I started to go, hmm is familiar yeah <laughs> I, I know this and um and I could see things that my own children were dealing with and that was how we ended up getting initially the diagnosis for them and so I um was like okay right now we're in that family now we're talking a good 18 months of me really focusing on the needs of them and whatever they needed and, you know, working out all of that world and discovering neurodivergence for myself and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then as I became the general manager of the A-list, I started spending more time with autistic adults and they would say things and I would go, "Mm." (laughs) this is familiar, but I actually, that's not true. I I would talk to ADHD adults and go, this is really familiar. Yeah, And so I um, eventually, and then I was with my family and someone in my family said, oh, um, do you think someone else in the family is ADHD? And I went, oh yeah, for sure. You can tell <laughs> like this because of all the time I've spent with the community. Yeah. And then they said, do you think you are? And I went, oh no, I don't think so. And then I walked away and went, hang on a sec. And I started to really look mm-hmm. and I noticed more and more of my own behavior And then I went, you know what, I'm going to go get an assessment. So I found an extraordinary organization that does neuroaffirming assessments for adults. And um, I wanted to be assessed for ADHD. And I said, um, but if you think there are things that are, you know, showing up that seem like they could be autistic as well, then, you know, we'll do that as well. And within about 10 minutes of starting the assessment for ADHD, the person said, um, there's quite a lot here for autism too. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay. And then, you know, we finished both of those assessments. And honestly, Simone, by the end of it, I think I would have been disappointed if they'd said I wasn't because it was so, I don't know what the word is, validating. Yeah. 
I don't, that's not even the right word. I don't, I don't have another word for it, but it was so like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And this makes sense. And this makes sense. And the best way I describe it to people is, you know, like if I, I'm, I'm not very tall and if I can't reach something, I go get on a chair so I can reach it, you know, mm-hmm. or go get a ladder. But when it has come to my brain, my whole life, I've gone, oh, you should be able to do that. Oh, you're really smart. Why is this hard? Come on, just got to just concentrate. You're not focusing. Like I've been really yep. hard on myself. And I suddenly went, oh, my goodness, I could get a chair for my brain. And <laughs> it was suddenly like I don't have to work this hard. I don't have to do the things that I, you know, I can hire other people or work with other people who find that stuff really easy that I don't. I can have compassion for myself. I don't have to mask or pretend anymore. Like it was utterly relieving. What a great analogy. You're just making me think of, Jen, like to get a chair for your brain. Like I think mm. that sums it up perfectly because it's it's the help, it's the step you need. You need that assistance um, not to fix you but because that's what you need to get your brain to work. Like, yeah. And you're not broken or there's nothing wrong with you but that's just how you, your brain needs a chair. My yeah. brain, some brains need a chair, some brains That's don't. Right. Like what yeah. a fantastic way to to put it. I love it. That that makes so much sense. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for And when for they first that. said yes, I said, you know, okay, what now? Do I have a parade? Like, <laughs> and, you know, that – and then I spoke to another autistic adult and I said that and they said, you know what, you probably should have a parade. And they actually have this whole birthday cake style ceremony for themselves on the – anniversary of their diagnosis because it was that kind of freeing for them yeah yeah it's like the the missing piece of the puzzle that you've always Mm. wondered what's wrong with me and all that and it's like well there's nothing wrong with you you just needed the chair yeah yeah love it amazing amazing okay Madeline this is such a great conversation let's (laughs) jump into rapid fires go for it um Tell us something that you do um, to, like, chill out, relax. What do you do? Sit on the couch and watch obscure indie films and television or play Yahtzee with my husband. Yahtzee. (laughs) I love it. It's so non-thinking, you know. I love it. Amazing. What is your greatest work challenge at the moment? Finding people that can be with the community the way that we are so we can scale to the demand of the social hubs. Yeah, amazing. Um, I'm going to ask you if you had a podcast, but you don't have a podcast. You have a radio show. I do. Show. Do I do have, have both actually, yeah. Okay. Um, I do a podcast that I, I've literally just started because so many people want to talk <laughs> yep. to me. So I have one called Neuro Delight where we delight oh, in all things neurodivergent. Love it. And the radio show is a digital station called My 88 and I have a show in the afternoon, every afternoon for women called Girls Just Wanna. Yeah, cool. 
Mm. Um, not advice, but considering our conversation and what we've talked about, what is one action we could um, ask our or you'd like our listeners to put in place or to action listening to us talk today? I would love them to email us at hello at alisthub.com.au if they know any autism-friendly social activity anywhere around them that we may not know about. Yeah, cool. Oh, I'm going to, like, sign up. I'm going to come to the events. I'm going to be like your new BFF. Love it. Um, I love it. <laughs> Madeline, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much. Is there anything else we need to cover while I've got you on this call? I think the only other thing I would say is that being autistic and neurodivergent is one of the best things that I've, that's ever happened to me or anyone in my life. And if you are in any way thinking that that's possibly what's there for you, go find out. And I promise you, you know, on the other side, if you dive in, the water is warm and there's something to be celebrated. Oh, another like great analogy. Thank you. How can we find you? How can we work with you? The, uh, you can go to alisthub.com.au and the email address, just go to hello at alisthub.com.au and that is the best way to find me. Okay, that's amazing. I will put all the links to all the things we've talked about in the show notes. Madeline, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um, really love the work you're doing. Love your good vibes. Um, love the work you're doing with the kids. Thank you so much and um, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Speak Thanks. soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. Did you enjoy the podcast? If you did, make sure you leave us a review or share it with your friends or do a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. We love to see our listeners and get some feedback and tell us what you think. Until next time.